Welcome to The Real Spiel with Ryan and Kurt. Hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season and Happy New Year to you all. Uh, as we kick off 2023, we felt it would be a, a good time to review um, 2022 and, and what's happened in the markets. We saw equities uh, get beaten up a little bit, down about 20% broadly. Bonds also struggled. Uh, equities and bonds down at the same time for the first time in 50 years. Meanwhile, commodities are up 20 to 30%, uh, depending on the benchmark that you look at. Kurt, where does that leave us heading into 2023? And, and, and what do you think we're going to see in these different markets? Hey, Ryan, Happy New Year. Yeah, I think 2020 had a lot of surprises for us. As you mentioned, we had stocks and bonds decline for the first time in you know half a century. Um, if you think back to, you know, old school investment philosophy, we, we talked about the 60-40 portfolio that you'd have 60% in bonds, or sorry, 60% in stocks, 40% in bonds. Of course, that's advanced significantly over the last uh, 20 to 30 years. But th those were the major tools that, you know, risky assets that investors use to diversify, and they both declined at the same time. That's not a good thing because you really want that diversification where one zigs and the other zags. Um, if you take even a deeper look at 22, it's, it's a, a more troubling picture than, than just that surface um, perspective. You know, if you think about the Yale investment uh, endowment model that's been incorporated by a lot of, uh, you know, RIAs, advisors, as well as institutions, um, there's been a diversification on the equity side into developed Europe, developed Asia, emerging markets. But all of the stock markets declined last year. On the fixed income side, you could do, you know, long-term government bonds. You could do high-yield debt. You could do debt in Europe, debt in Asia, uh, even structured credit. All of those declined as well. Um, uh, and even going further, you know, gold did not have a great year in 22. Um, and REITs actually declined as well. So when you think about where to hide, like where can you go for a positive return, commodities really um, led the charge. Uh, as you said, depending on your benchmark, whether it's a Bloomberg Commodity Index or others, um, and returns for the full year ranged from 15 to 30% and uh, in a positive way. So the, the 2010s offered you know, these incredible financial returns to stocks and to bonds and challenging commodity returns. And we've seen that completely about face. I think the biggest thing is that we learned that inflation is not transitory. The Fed has owned that now um, after, you know, a, a year ago, kind of uh, giving us the story that this was going to be temporary, supply chain driven, um, COVID driven, and this was going to kind of mitigate on its own. What we found is that COVID is still here. Um, China is still wrestling with the reopening of their market. Um, we still have supply chain issues. And uh, now we have other kind of ingrained inflationary uh, effects, such as like higher wages, still tight unemployment, um, and, and you know, competition for labor. So all of that, uh, along with higher real estate prices, is you know, driving higher and higher rates of inflation. Even if inflation moderates from, you know, nine to eight to seven percent, maybe if we get lucky, six percent, five percent, we're still way above the Fed target. 
the Fed wants inflation to be, you know, long run at a 2% average. So my expectation, Ryan, going forward is that the Fed is going to continue to have a hawkish policy on inflation. Um, they may not be raising 75 basis points per meeting. Maybe they raise 50 or 25 basis points, but until they see um, a, a significant trend downward in inflation, I think we can continue to see the challenges in 23 and beyond that we saw in 22 to these traditional markets. I guess what I would add is that this is great for commodities because commodities are, are the prices of things. And if prices are going up, that translates into PPI, into CPI, and that flows you know, into the, these fundamental prices of commodities, whether it's energy or agriculture or, or metals. Absolutely. And, and I just wanted to quickly touch on commodities, given the significant run-up that we saw in 2022. I mean, we've talked about, you know, the, the uh, historically low inventories that we're sitting at broadly across commodity sectors and specific uh, commodities. We have supply chain issues still lingering. Uh, you've got the, you know, geopolitical conflict issues with Ukraine uh, and Russia. You have uh, weather disruptions, um, drought conditions uh, here domestically and, and abroad as well. What kind of tailwinds do you see for commodities, you know, going into 2023, given we've already seen kind of this run up have, you know, is there still um, some room to go for commodity returns? So our, our investment philosophy is driven around scarcity and inventories. So if you think about supply and demand, it it's so the classic economics 101 story, and it applies to commodities completely directly that you know, when it comes to crude oil prices or let's say copper prices, it's a function of how much supply do you have and how much demand do you have. Where supply and demand meet is what we will call inventories or buffer stocks. So it, you know, if, if we have large amounts of copper in storage um, and you have a increase in demand or a decrease in supply, but you have ample storage in warehouses to deliver, it's not really going to have a big impact. Where things get really exciting and dynamic in the markets is when inventories are low. <clears throat> because then if you have a negative supply shock, and, and you know, it could be, in Copper's case, you know, labor strikes or uh, political uh, problems in Peru or Chile. It could be increased in electric vehicle and renewable energy demand that's, that's new. Um, that the market hadn't anticipated or, or priced for or planned for. Um, if there are no inventories or buffer stocks to deliver, then the only thing that can give is price. So you'll just see, you know, price increase significantly. And not only is there a spot price effect, but the, the price insurance return, which is delivered to futures investors, uh, is amplified as well based on all of our research. I think what's really interesting right now, Ryan, is that we're seeing inventory levels right now across the energy complex, across metals, and across grains and agriculture are at five-year plus lows. And we measure this on a seasonal basis. So we look at where we are in January of 23, and we compare it to, you know, from January 2016 to 21. Um, so some some commodities are seasonal, some are not. But if you're comparing January of each year to you know uh, to each other, I think that's a reasonable comparison. And what we're finding is that across metals, energy, and across you know grains and oil seeds, 
we're at or below the the five year prior low for January of each of these commodities. That to me seems like a great setup because um, I think you have a very unbalanced coin right now. It's not fifty fifty. You know, if there's any shock to supply or demand, um, there are not sufficient buffer stocks or inventories to meet that demand increase or supply decrease. Um, and the, the only thing that can give is price. Sure. Yeah, it does seem like there's still plenty of tailwinds for commodities. I wanted to also just quickly pivot over to, to equities, you know, uh, especially growth stocks have been definitely beaten up uh, in 2022 with this rapid, uh, you know, increasing in rates. And, and, you know, most economists aren't looking at maybe any rate cutting until the end of 2023. We're likely to still see some tepid uh, increases uh, until, you know, maybe Q4 of this year, Q3, you know, it's obviously uncertain, uh, but most economists are looking not at cuts until potentially Q3, I'm sorry, Q4 uh, of this year, or maybe even Q1 of 2024, are there any equity, you know, sectors or, or areas that that you feel like maybe could outperform, or, or do you still think it's kind of a, a bleak uh, outlook for 2023 on the equity side? No, I think equities still play a role. I mean, I think the job of any allocator is to diversify. So you want to understand that you can have a an outlook for the future, but your crystal ball for anybody, including the Fed, is going to be imperfect. And so the best thing you can do is diversify. And that said, within the equity space, I like uh, natural resource equities. Um, so things that are related to MLPs, related to energy infrastructure, uh, mining infrastructure, I think those are very interesting. I also think that we've seen this resurgence for the first time, maybe in 20 years, Ryan, it's been a long time, of value versus growth is going to be uh, entrenched for a, a few more years minimum uh, as as investors aren't looking for exponential growth with zero profit, but what they're looking for is, is steady profitability with a, a defensive, resilient business model. Um, and we, we've seen that. If you think about the Facebooks, Amazons, um, Teslas, um, uh, the, uh, Google, you've seen, or Alphabet, you've seen this, this pullback in tech stocks, but you've seen value stocks that are profitable and resilient, doing much, much better on a relative basis. I think we'll see that in natural resource equities. And I think we'll continue to see that in, in value equities. Um, but with respect to the macro landscape, I mean, I, I do think we're probably going to see tighter credit conditions, higher rates for longer. Um, there's been a lot of wishful thinking um, that things would, would ease and get better. Thank you all for listening in uh, this week. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, we'd love to hear from you at the real spiel at uscfinvestments.com. Thank you again, and we will talk to you next week.